Doubt has many forms and degrees. From the promise of God being so wonderful we can hardly imagine it really being true, to the fear that God doesn't exist. Many people see doubt as the only alternative to physical proof. We call Thomas Doubting Thomas because of the events of John chapter 20. We've not been impressed with Thomas, and maybe Thomas was not really impressed with himself. But Thomas was not rejected. Admonished, yes, but not rejected. Most of us are more like the man of Mark chapter 9 and verse 24 who said, I believe, help my unbelief. You see, unbelief in this context is really faithlessness. Many have settled into a rut of non-commitment. In the latter part of the 19th century, there was an agnostic by the name of Thomas Huxley. As a matter of fact, Huxley is given credit for having coined the term agnosticism in 1869. Huxley states, Agnosticism, in fact, is not a creed, but a method, the essence of which lies in the rigorous application of a single principle the fundamental axiom of modern science. In matters of the intellect, follow your reason as far as it will take you, without regard to any other consideration. In matters of intellect, do not pretend that conclusions are certain which are not demonstrated or demonstrable. Essentially, Thomas Huxley argued for a total refusal of commitment except, of course, to his commitment that ultimately no one can really know for sure. Many people say, there are so many smart and learned people that can't agree. I may as well not even try. How can I ever be sure when everybody seems to disagree? The truth is, faith comes from evidence, not proof. Think about Gideon in Judges chapter 6. God had shown him that he was going to use him. So an angel came and began to explain to Gideon all that God would do through him. But Gideon wants God to assure him. And so he continues to ask God to show him proof. You see, belief is not about being smart. Intelligent people miss Jesus completely. And sometimes intelligence gets in the way of submission. The more we trust in our own abilities, the less we trust in God. One of the draws of atheism is that, if true, it gives us license to do what we want. And that's a powerful motivator. Thomas had seemingly never been very strong. And we see three stories about Thomas in John's Gospel. and The other Gospels only include him among the twelve. In John chapter 11 and verse 16, we see Thomas saying, Let us also go, that we may die with him. In John 14 and verse 5, Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And finally, in John chapter 20 and verse 25, Thomas says, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas is saying, unless you show me proof, I'll never believe. I believe, help my unbelief. Many people don't really disbelieve, 
they've simply settled into doubt. There's been a lot of debate through the years about doubt. William Clifford in Ethics of Belief said it's always wrong to believe anything on insufficient evidence. Clifford was pointing toward God, so the conclusion is doubt. William James, a noted philosopher, said that doubt is wrong when three criteria are met. When we have live options, when the stakes are momentous, and when we must make a choice. If we're looking for physical certainty, then there's one road to certainty, and that's death. Once we're born, the clock of our life is ticking. Trying to put off deciding about God is like jumping off a diving board and then trying to put off actually entering the water. Leslie Newbigin said, We live in an age that favors doubt over faith. Thomas was called Didymus, or twin, or double. I wonder what significance this name carries with it. Jesus chose Judas for a reason. Maybe he chose Thomas for another reason. Sometimes we look for designer beliefs that, like designer labels, will show how cool we are. Disbelief is chic today. It's cutting edge. It's rebellious. Institutional religion or church seems to be old hat. But we're talking about Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul says, He was manifested or shown in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. You know, faith is a choice, and God is asking us to choose. God has not provided all the answers for which we have questions, at least it seems so. But in simplicity, He has given us His scheme of redemption. Many have rejected God because they can't prove where God came from. Skeptics may argue it's impossible to prove that chairs exist, but they still sit down in them. God asks us to choose faith, not blind faith, just faith faith in him. Thomas's doubt melted into belief when Jesus called on him to touch the nail marks. It's John chapter 20 and verse 28 where we see Thomas saying, my Lord and my God, I believe. Help my unbelief. What do we do about doubt? Some say doubt is good and God loves doubt because it builds faith. I wouldn't say that all doubt is good. I mean, God asks for faith that doesn't waver. Jesus certainly doesn't praise Thomas's doubt. Listen to what he says in John chapter 20 and verse 29. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. He praises those who believed without having to touch the nail marks. God gave Gideon a wet fleece and a dry fleece. Why did God put up with that? I don't really know, but I wonder if I would have put up with it. God asks us to believe and still allows some space for our doubts. Some have asked, why doesn't God make more noise? If believing in God is such a big deal, why doesn't he make himself more obvious? God isn't trying to force us to admit that He exists. 
He asks us to believe. Room for doubt makes trusting possible. To remove all uncertainty is to remove trust. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 24, Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The very last word Matthew uses to describe the apostles is doubt. Is he talking specifically about Thomas? You know, Thomas will be mentioned one more time in Scripture. It's Acts chapter 1 and verse 13, and there Thomas is seen as being in the upper room with the disciples. And the New Testament will never mention him again. I wonder why. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. I believe. Help my unbelief.